Good morning. Uh, my name is Father Sean Kilcully, and it's a great joy to be with you all here at St. Marie's. And I, so I arrived on Friday. I'm leaving on Wednesday. It's a nice little hiatus from Nebraska. Um, and I am the family life officer and or the family life office director in the Diocese of Lincoln. Um, it, and then about half of my time, I also work for a nonprofit called Integrity Restored, uh, which is a nonprofit organization whose mission is to provide education, training, and resources to the church in order to help her better proclaim the gospel in the midst of the hypersexualized culture in which we live. And so most of my time, what I do is train clergy and other diocesan leaders in order to more effectively kind of address the issues of our time. And, uh, and then when I'm at home, I spend a lot of time doing pastoral counseling with people who are struggling with addiction themselves, and particularly internet addiction. And so most of the time when I tell people things like that, you know, it's a good thing to say on a plane if you don't want people to talk to you, right? Um, but when I tell people that's what I do, they're kind of like, oh, do you like that? Well, no, I like talking about Jesus. And, you know, I'm really excited about helping people come to know our Lord. It's just that in order to help them to do that, I have to talk about this. Right? Because this is sort of the biggest obstacle to encountering our Lord and surrendering to our Lord that we face in the modern world. And in the sixth beatitude, Jesus says, Blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God. You know, and he means it. And he means it now. He doesn't just mean it like someday in heaven. But he means it now. Which means that any kind of impurity of heart prevents us from seeing the face of our Lord. You know, any kind of impurity of heart. And impurity of heart, it just means like a disintegrity. And so there's, there's a kind of traditional way we think about that. But then there's also an impurity of heart that comes out of how holding on to resentments or holding on to our past sins or holding on to our past wounds or basically like anything that fills us with shame or leads us to want to hide from others. And the amazing thing about working with addicts is that addicts know what conversion means. They know what conversion means. There's one man that I've worked with and he had done youth ministry for a really long time. And he had also had a really bad addiction for a really long time. And once he got into recovery and started having this conversion in his life, he came in and he said to me, Father, I think now I know what the word Savior means. I think now I know what the word Savior means. And he'd been talking about a Savior for like 20 years. But now he knew. Because when we struggle with addiction, we have two choices. Like we either stay stuck or we have to completely surrender our hearts to our Lord's love, to our Lord's grace, to our Lord's mercy. You have to go all in and know what it is to belong to him. And that's what, that's what we're all called to do, right? That's what we're all called to do. And sometimes I learn more from the people I work with than I learned in the seminary. And one of my friends asked me one day, Father, have you surrendered your life to Jesus? 
Like, I'm a priest. What do you think? And I go home. Have I surrendered my life to Jesus? Have I really given him everything? It's a question that we're all called to ponder during this Lenten season. Right? The season of Lent is preparation for Easter. Easter is our anniversary with our Lord. Right? Easter is the day we renew the promises we made at our baptism. It's the day we stand up and say, yes, I reject Satan and all his works and all his empty promises. And I believe in God. I trust in him. I give my life to him. And so as we prepare for that, the question is, okay, have I given him everything? Is there something left that I have to give him? And unless we're a saint already, there's something left that we have to give him. In the story from today's gospel, the story of the Samaritan woman at the well, we kind of see somebody who goes through all of those stages of conversion. And she goes to the well at the middle of the day. So it's about noon and it's really hot. And everybody else goes to the well in the morning before the sun's up because, you know, it's cooler and that helps them to get ahead of their day. But she goes in the middle of the day, right, when nobody's there. And so she's probably going there because she's trying to avoid people. Right? There's something about her life that she doesn't want people to know. Or maybe she just doesn't want to, like, leave and see the neighbor lady who's always in her business. Or walk down the street and have people whispering, that's the one who's had five husbands. And so she just wants to go there and like, not deal with people. And sometimes we all have times in our life when we don't want to deal with people. When I was in grad school, I was in Rome studying, and I fell into this really dark kind of depression where I was avoiding doing my work, and I was kind of escaping into watching a lot of video on on the internet, a lot of television shows and things like that. And, and I had a lot of shame about that because I wasn't getting my work done. And so I didn't want to go to lunch where everybody else goes to lunch because everybody sits there and talks about how amazing they are and their doctorate and everything. And I would be like, I watched three seasons of One Tree Hill last week. Uh, so can I tell you about that? Um, I don't want to tell anybody that. And so I would order these sack lunches and, um, and I would kind of wait until like, I knew nobody was around and I would go to the elevator, go to the basement, go through this cavern in the basement, get my, get my food, go back to my room and hope nobody would see me and kind of pretend like everybody thought I was really doing my work. I just wanted, didn't want to be around people. And I think that's kind of how this woman is. And then she shows up at the well and Jesus is there. And she's like, ah, oh, why is there a person here? And then he asks her for something. Hey, give me a drink. And so she does what a lot of us do when people are talking to us, but we don't want them to talk to us. We just be kind of rude and short with them. You know, like, how can you, a Jew, ask me, a Samaritan, for a drink? I'm reminding you, you're not allowed to talk to me. If you knew who I was asking you, you would ask me for a drink, and I'd give you living water. So he's inviting her into a kind of dialogue and relationship with him, right? He shows up where she is. He's inviting her into a relationship. And then she's like, uh, you don't even have a bucket. Leave me alone. And then he says to her, everyone who drinks this will be thirsty again. Everybody who drinks this, you're still going to be empty. I know there's an emptiness inside of you and you're trying to fill it up and you're always going to be empty. 
But if you drink the water I'm going to give you, you're going to be fulfilled. And you won't need to come here anymore. You won't need to come here anymore. Like you won't need to look after things anymore. You'll be fulfilled. Maybe even you won't have to come here and be reminded of your shame anymore. And all she hears is, I won't have to come out in public. Nobody will have to see me again. Give me some of that water. So I want this living water. And then he asks her this crucial thing. Okay, so now she's asking for what I have to give. So, okay, bring me your husband. Bring me your husband. Bring me the thing that you're most ashamed of in your life. Bring me the thing that you don't want me to know about you. Bring me your husband. I don't have a husband. No, you don't have one, you've had five. And the one you're with now isn't yours. And so bring that to me. Because I've always known this about you and I've still loved you anyways. And I just want you to realize that I've loved you in your sinfulness. That I've loved you in your sinfulness. St. Paul reminds us, he showed his love for us. He proved his love for us because when we were still sinners, he died for us. So I've loved you anyways. And in that moment, she experiences mercy. Like the thing she was most afraid of being exposed is brought to our Lord and he responds in love. And he's going to transform her heart. And then she runs off to proclaim this gospel that, let me show you somebody who told me everything I've done and he promised me living water. And she becomes an evangelizer. And then eventually the people she talks to, they come to know our Lord on their own. Every stage of conversion, every stage of the Christian life is there. And that's what we're all called to in our own lives, is to bring to our Lord that thing that we still are holding on to. And he says to us, bring me your husband. Bring me your internet addiction. Bring me the fact that you drink too much. Bring me the fact that you are holding on to secrets from when you were in college. Bring me the fact that you binge watch One Tree Hill. Like, bring me the thing that you're most embarrassed about, the most ashamed of, the most afflicted by, the most, uh, the thing you don't want anybody to know about you. And surrender that. And oftentimes our struggle is that we confess those things at one point in the confessional, but yet we still hold on to them and we still feel guilty about them and we still walk around with them. Because we haven't really surrendered them. Bring me your resentment that you hold towards your parents. Or bring me the resentment that you hold towards a friend. Bring me the fact that you're jealous of your neighbor. Bring me your husband. And so during this Lenten season, it's a time for us to remove those kinds of obstacles to love, that kind of impurity of heart, so that he can make us whole again and we can truly behold his face so that we reach that goal of being completely transformed in him.
And so tonight, at the parent talk that I'm giving, it's, it's mostly a story of, of my own learning what it means to surrender my life to our Lord. Kind of my own learning to be loved by Him and to entrust my heart to Him. And also addressing, okay, how do we best preserve our young people from these very obvious obstacles to love within our culture? And so I hope many of you will be able to come. And, um, and for now, we just pray that, that our Lord give us the courage to bring to him whatever it is that gets in the way of him in our hearts. That our hearts be transformed by him so that we re- when we renew our promises at Easter, when we renew our baptism, that we truly may be a new creation in him that we may be a light that shines in the darkness of our culture.